Hey, you're listening to the Creative Pep Talk podcast. We help you build a thriving creative practice. I'm your host, Andy J. Pizza. You can stay up to date with all things Creative Pep Talk by following me on Instagram at Andy J. Pizza. Let's get into today's episode. This episode is sponsored by Adobe's Wireframe Podcast. Wireframe is a podcast for designers and the design curious. They cover stories on topics like how design can make voting easier and how it can help creators with crowdfunding. Whether you're in UX, UI, technology, or just curious about the way that design impacts all of our lives, I hope you'll go check out the show. Just search Wireframe and the podcast app you're using right now even and go check it out or find the link in my show notes thanks to wireframe for supporting creative pep talk explore new skills deepen existing passions and get lost in creativity with classes from skillshare learn about illustration design photography video freelancing and writing and marketing and all kinds of good stuff that we talk about on this show that's why they're the perfect sponsor for our show i almost went into a british accent skillshare has short classes so you don't have to stop your creative journey just to learn something new you can just do it right alongside all the things you're already doing Go check out a class that is relevant to today's episode, The Perfect 100-Day Project, Your Guide to Explosive Creative Growth by Rich Armstrong. We're going to be talking about 100-Day Projects and their power for changing your creative career. Go check it out at Skillshare.com slash Creative Pep for two free months today. Skillshare.com slash Creative Pep. Today on the show, we have a super inspiring creative that I had the honor of chatting with, Lalise Stamps, also known as Lolly Lolly Ceramics on Instagram. She is a super fantastic follow on Instagram, and it was even better chatting with her about her creative practice. She's a ceramicist, which we haven't had on the show, and it was just a complete pleasure to talk with her about how her project, her 100-day project, totally exploded her career. Tons of really inspiring stuff and deep stuff about the meaning of creativity and, and, and how to use your creativity to do good in the world. This was a great conversation. I hope that I get to talk to her again soon. Luckily, she's based in Columbus, where I am too, um, which is even better. But go follow her on Instagram, and you're going to love this chat. Here she is, Lalise, a.k.a. Lolly, Lolly Ceramics. So uh, you, you're not you're from Milwaukee, right? Yeah, and you actually said it the wrong way, which is great. What's the, what's the right way? <laughs> Milwaukee. Milwaukee. Okay, I know. But, <laughs> I didn't, didn't want to say Milwaukee. You said Milwaukee, and I Milwaukee. always get dinged from that for, for, <laughs> from people, and I hate it. But that's just how we say it when uh-huh. we're from Milwaukee. Okay, well, there you go. I'm just a regular. Um, <laughs> so we're just going to dive right in. It's not it's not super formal uh, or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say that. Have Have you done any other podcasts? Um, I did one off the cuff, um, maybe like two years ago. I'm um, from some local gals um, 
in Columbus. Okay. And I feel really bad because I don't remember the name of the podcast right now. <laughs> I'm a bad person. <laughs> well, I couldn't, I couldn't find any. And actually, uh, this was really exciting to me because I don't feel like there is a ton of information online about you. So, you know, I kind of felt like uh, this is a good, that's always a good thing because I think it means I can be genuinely curious and you don't feel like you're saying the same thing. You've said it a million times. Sure. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited to kind of get to know your story. So is it, it's Lalise? Yes, that's so, exactly right. I said it right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I like it. It's a good name. Uh, Thanks. But you go by Lolly, Lolly Ceramics. Yes. When do you, you want to tell me the story that? now? Yeah, let's hear it. <laughs> um, yeah, so my name is Lelise Stamps. Lelise Leslie Stamps, actually. I'm named after my dad. His name is Leslie Stamps, which is another interesting story. Um, yeah, my nickname is Lolly. My No one's ever called me that except for a few select friends from high yeah. school um, from Milwaukee. So I never really thought about that when naming my business <laughs> now everyone knows me by lolly and it's kind of crazy but the origin of the nickname came from one of my teachers in high school um her name was mrs rz um and she was this older woman and um very to herself but she always called me lolly like literally from the beginning of the school year hmm. and kept it up all throughout the year and then everyone else caught on and that was just my nickname um yeah. And actually, a lot of my close friends didn't know that until I told them recently. So that was kind of fun to fill them in on that. <laughs> yeah, I like that. I feel like for me, so I've only been going by Andy J Pizza for something like five years, but I've been an illustrator for for almost 12 years. But uh, it happened completely on accident because my old website used to be andy-j-miller.com and that was just a terrible (laughs) mouthful (laughs) to say and all all of my social media handles were different it was a freaking disaster and then they Mm -hmm. came out with uh dot pizza websites and so i just made my website (laughs) andy-j-pizza and then everybody thought that was my name and i was like no (laughs) and it happened right when i started uh being tighter with my diet and so now i go Mm. do talks and they're like here's tons of pizza and i'm like no i'm trying to quit um but uh but i i don't know if you feel like this but the the one thing that happened by changing my you know moniker to andy j pizza that i didn't see coming is that actually like that there's kind of a separation between real andy and and work andy sure yeah i have thought about that recently i think i was a little salty that more people know me by Lolly, but yeah. now it's just weird when people call me Lelise. I think, which is crazy. It's also a really cool name. I have all these really cool names, mm-hmm. um, but it just kind of means, yeah, you're right. And you mentioned that there's not a lot of information about me out there. And that's because I'm really intentional about, you know, who I talk to and um, yeah. So I agree. It's really fun. Well, I feel super honored, but I am also kind of jealous that you're hogging so many good names and mine <laughs> pizza is somewhat interesting but every other name that i have is the most boring name out there but sometimes my when i call my dad now he answers and says dr pizza and i'm like dad don't do that That's really you're just adding on to it dad come on <laughs> it's ridiculous well you fooled me i thought your last name was pizza <laughs> uh yeah it's yeah it's kind of inescapable right now um 
But uh, so, yeah, could you just tell me a little bit about how you got into ceramics? Like, what, where did that come from? Sure. Yeah. So um, I've always been a creative, you know, um, I actually surprised something that a lot of people don't know about me is I actually work as a graphic designer right now as well. Mm, yeah. <laughs> so I, I've always dabbled in a lot of different crafts, I'll say. Um, I took weaving at one point, um, drawing, painting, and I kind of landed on ceramics um, a few years ago, back in 2017, I want to say, when I was um, taking a class at the Cultural Arts Center in Columbus. And um, yeah, I, I just got into it because I was really curious. And really from there, it, it just took off. I started selling ceramics when I wanted to study abroad. Um, I studied abroad in the UK. Mm. And actually, my advisor, he he was like, well, you make ceramics, right? You should sell some to raise some money while you're abroad. And I was like, uh, well, I don't really make them. I just dabble in this craft. Yeah. But that was really what catapulted it for me. I mean, I, I didn't know how to make ceramics that well. So I would be in the studio incessantly just making pieces. And I think that's what really made me good at it too. Cause I was really relentless and just kind of kept going for it. Mm. And, you know, people love my work and I, people wouldn't let me stop selling things. Uh, so that's just really where it started. Where did you study in the UK? Uh, so I studied at the University of Arts London. Um, and I just took art history classes. It was like kind of like my little opportunity to just go abroad. Mm -hmm. um, but I do love art history. So it was a perfect opportunity. And I, I went to so many museums. Andy, oh my gosh, it was crazy. Yeah. London is great for that. I actually spent five years over there where, uh, and my, my listeners are sick of me talking about it probably, but, um, <laughs> my, my wife is British and I really loved, I went to college there and it was really great. It's cool. just a totally different, totally different experience. So with ceramics, I'm curious, there's, there's a few things that I'm curious about. So one, I have this theory about creativity where, you know, I feel like everybody thinks creativity is something different. You know, I have this idea that like, if your grandma's like, oh, my new neighbor loves art, you guys would be best friends. You're like, no, because you just know <laughs> that everybody, art means so many different things. And I think a lot of artists, uh, you know, fall, sometimes they straddle both of these things, but fall into, you know, external art, which is very in the sensory and the physicality of making a physical object uh, mm -hmm. versus creativity that is internal and in the mind or cerebral or emotional or whatever. And I find it seems like a lot of ceramicists really like the physicality of that. Is that true for you? Yeah. I mean, I think I've landed on ceramics as my focus for a while because I love the functionality of it to mm. be able to like really create something that um, people can use and I can use and it will live on for a long time. is kind of like a really fascinating thing. And I'm learning a lot about why that's so satisfying to me. I would love to hear more about that. What, what I've heard you talk a little bit about like, you know, the ritual of coffee and, and uh, yeah, I know you make a lot of mugs, um, which is an understatement, but, uh, and I love either absolutely gorgeous, but, uh, yeah, I'm curious about what your, how that it's interesting, the whole kind of the functional art and the utility of uh, a piece of creative work. Um, 
yeah, what, what does it mean to you? What, what, cause sometimes like the more you make stuff, the more meaning you find in it. And what, what meaning do you find in that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I'm such a empathetic person. I'm an Aquarius and I honestly don't really feed into Zodiac or astrology very much, mm. but I'm so true to an Aquarius. Like I'm very really? empathetic. I'm, I'm really caring and I care about people even though I can't stand people half the time. Right. <laughs> um, so there, there's something about, and people have told me this, people have outright come to me and told me like, Hey, like I use your piece every day and it really kind of alters my mood sometimes. Um, and there's, there's a level of pride in that and, and care that I, I feel is a bit of a responsibility at this point. Yeah. Um, especially now that I have, um, you know, so many eyes on me. Um, and, and especially being a, a black woman, and we can talk about that more too, but yeah, I think um, knowing that I kind of have this weird power uh, to really ch- make a change, even if it's in the smallest, minute way, uh, with everything going on, I mean, we're going through a crazy pandemic right now, multiple pandemics. Um, uh, so that alone, just realizing, you know, I could be a very small, minute change in someone's life uh, is really profound to me. It is. It really is. I, it reminds me of uh, there's this someone who is really inspiring to me. It was a guy named Bill Strickland who created this school. I think it was outside of Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. And th- it was just this after school program where, and it, I, it was ceramics actually. Have you ever heard of Bill Strickland? That name sounds terribly familiar, but I'm not sure. I have to look him up. He was like, you know, he worked with Obama and he was doing this amazing work. And I was so inspired. This was before I ever did the podcast, but he was one of my biggest inspirations because he had all of this philosophy on the life-changing power of creative work and, you know, getting into ceramics, like saved his high school career and ended up getting into college and all this kind of stuff. And he created this. Yeah, he's amazing. He has a huge uh, TED talk that's really worth checking out. But he, uh, what you're saying that reminds me of that is they put this world-class facility outside of Pittsburgh and it was in, you know, a high crime area and Mm -hmm. they put the, they didn't have any security. Uh, This is still going on. No security, best uh, state-of-the-art computers and, and facilities and gorgeous art and fresh flowers every day. And they just saw how insane it impacted the, the the people there that when you go into an environment that mm-hmm. is that world class or you go into like w- how you surround yourself informs how you feel about yourself and i can imagine you know when i it's funny because every time i pick a cup uh, a mug from mm-hmm. my to, to do my coffee in the morning I it's like a process. It is. And I'm like, and I, and I take it really seriously. And there's something about drinking out of a mug that feels like, uh, like it's an extension of who I am and what I'm about. And it sets a tone. It sets a tone for your day. And uh, surprisingly, my favorite mug is, and maybe not surprisingly, my favorite mug is not one that I've made. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a mug that I bought a long time ago from one of my favorite coffee shops in Milwaukee before uh, they had a big name change. It used to be called Altera, but now it's called Collectivo. Uh-huh. Uh, and I love that mug so much because it just, it has such a um, connection to, you know, 
this former life that I used to live in Milwaukee. <laughs> so yeah. I, it reminds me of when I make my own pizzas, how that will affect the people who um, buy things or drink things that I make. <laughs> there's like a time stamp, and there's a yeah. What so what are the uh... I don't know if it's if there's anything more than nostalgia, but is there any other reason why this particular mug does it for you? Um, I mean, I, I I'm a graphic designer, so I am really satisfied by the the graphic on it. It's really simple, yeah. and it it just it, again, I guess it's the nostalgia. It reminds me of that the experience of being in there in the coffee shop. Maybe it makes me feel like I'm there. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I like that. I also think I have. I feel like I have a lot of opinions on. Um, you know, the functionality of a mug. There's something about little mugs that I like a lot better than oversized ones. And I don't know when you, you go to, uh, you go here locally ever to, uh, Fox in the Snow. Of course. I actually really admire their, their concepts. Uh, and I remember when it opened, it's one of my favorite ones. It's fantastic. I love their mugs. They're, they have the the best mugs there's some i don't know i'm I'm curious do you how do you th- let's talk about uh what did the mug making start when you were doing the 100 day project or had you already been exploring that so i was already making mugs and actually um one of my more popular mugs that i make uh is like a white speckled mug and i and i imagine people like it i mean people have told me they like the handle um, but it's also just a really simple pattern. And I think that it really blends in with any space. So I, I was exploring different types of mugs. And I think the reason I started the 100 Day Project was because I felt uh, a little stagnant. I felt like I was making the same kind of style over and over. And um, I really wanted to push myself. And I had seen other people do 100 Day Projects. And it felt like the best opportunity i mean i was probably a little crazy thinking like i could do this at that time (laughs) um which i did i guess i wasn't so crazy after all but uh yeah it was really just to push myself and uh try something different uh which i think i was pretty successful yeah there's i mean it's one thing to like it's hard for people to do a little doodle once a day for 100 days let alone 100 mugs yeah for sure (laughs) What did that look like practically in terms of just making that happen? Uh, so uh, actually, I thought about that when I thought about, you know, some big milestones that I accomplished for this project. And I, I just remember uh, when I first started, I thought I had it in the bag. I, you know, I made all these sketches and I was super excited. Um, and then I realized really quickly that my sketches wouldn't really get me as far as I thought they would. So when I started the project, uh, I did a lot of prepping, but it didn't really work the way I, I planned it to, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. What happened? What, 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 what threw off your plan? I mean, I think it was just realizing that I had to make 100 mugs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think the grave reality of like the number of mugs I had to make was like, oh, wait, no, this is a lot of mugs. Um, and I think all the original sketches I made were really great, but a lot of them were really similar. Uh, I think when I actually executed them, I was like, oh, wait, I actually did this basically, but slightly different. Um, so it kind of forced me to really um, try something different. And, and so originally I was really inspired by these sketches I made, yeah. um, but then it kind of transitioned into just being inspired by things in my daily life like i would see a doorknob or something i'd be like oh that could 
be a good mug handle. I, I love that because I feel like uh, there's this site. The great thing about 100 Day Project is that, you know, quantity breeds quality. There's this thing of like when you have explored 15 ideas and you're, you're on day 15, <laughs> you start yeah. getting a lot more resourceful about your inspiration because you're like, man, I got to, what am I going to? How am I going to make this? And you start right. really being more present in your daily experience because you're like desperate to find things that can lead to some, you know, a spark. Honestly, that's exactly what happened. And uh, I think that was ultimately one of my favorite parts about this project is, um, again, I'll, I'll bring up being a graphic designer. And I think when it comes to design and how fast paced that can be. I think when looking for inspiration, you kind of just search the internet. And even though you want to be inspired by things in your daily lives, it's still just kind of hard. You need something quick and fast. And I think um, with this project, it really, really, really for the first time forced me to get off my computer and actually kind of open my eyes more to what's around me. I mean, I would literally look like I would be on a walk or something. I think I actually traveled a lot during this time too, which was yeah. really insane. That's tough. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I would like see a railing in New York or something. I'd be like, Oh my God, this is really cool. This is inspiration for a mug. Yeah. That's awesome. I think, uh, you know, back to this idea of, um, quick inspiration for graphic designers, you know, people that are doing creativity for a living, often mm -hmm. they're having to churn out stuff. And I don't know if this is true for you, but my personal practice has been really valuable. Like a lot of my best client work is stuff that I had kind of organically stumbled upon in my sketchbook or, you know, just, you know, old references from past inspiration that I'd found months in advance. And I think that that personal practice creates kind of a ongoing well of things to draw from. Yeah, definitely. And I'm glad you brought that up because uh, this level of growth that I've experienced recently has kind of... Um, made me fearful for this very thing. I, I, I never want to get to a point where I feel like I'm forced to just churn things out because I don't feel like that at all. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm still really small scaled and, you know, I, I have hired an assistant, but when it comes down to it, it's just me. Um, and I would hope that along the line, I can maintain that to some level. I would love to grow, obviously, um, but I never want to get to a point where I feel like I'm just completely burned out by it and not inspired and yeah that would suck yeah i feel you on that i think it's you know i've been doing this podcast for coming up on six years and that was the same thing for me as i never wanted to feel like oh i'm I'm putting out an episode every week, whether I'm inspired or have anything to say or not. Like mm -hmm. I, that's kind of my worst nightmare. And I think, you know, that's where you're uh, being creative with the output is really helpful. Like, you know, I ended up doing more interviews over time because I liked that it gave me space and fresh material. And, you know, there's all kinds of things you can like do to, to shake it up. Sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, yeah, I would love to hear from somebody who chose such a challenging 100-day project. You know, I did a, a, a project where I did a new character every weekday for a year, but it was literally drawing a little character, coloring it in Photoshop, posting it. So um, I feel still like... still a lot, though. That's still a lot. 
<laughs> it, well, yeah, it was challenging for me, but now I'm bowing to the master that has done that with oh, ceramics. So like, tell me, what what are some of the things that uh, you can share about having uh, a, people, if you don't know, like this 100-day project, it is gorgeous. You definitely should check it out on Instagram. What What's the handle? Lolly Lolly Ceramics, and Lolly is spelled L-O-L-L-Y twice. Yeah. <laughs> it's super good. I, they're, they're gorgeous, and I, I really love them, but I would love to hear your lessons, the, th- the, the things that you learned by going through that process, because this, this project really is what kind of exploded your career, right? Definitely. And it's crazy because I did it, um, a year ago, September, 2019. Um, and it, I definitely have gained more recognition over time, but literally in the past month, it has just exploded, um, mm. in the most overwhelming, but in the most, in the best way. So yeah, I mean, I already kind of touched on, you know, adapting to the situation. You know, um, I mentioned already that I, during that time and still, I was working full time as a graphic designer because I love designing as well. So I think learning to really roll with it and to really take each day for what it is, you know, I'm such a planner and I love, you know, setting goals for myself. And I I, I literally write in a planner every day. And I'm that person that loves lists. And uh, this, this project really kind of really shook me to my core in this way where I really couldn't stick to a strict schedule. I mean, the schedule every day was surviving and (laughs) being able to find time to eat and make mugs because um, when it comes down to it, you can't really successfully make a mug every day and what i mean by that is you know there's so many processes and steps to it um so there was like days where i would strictly be on the wheel i mean i was definitely making pieces every day but it was more of like okay what what part of the process am i working on today and how can i prepare for the next week so that i have a new mug every day so really like one of the biggest takeaways was learning how to just adapt to um, the constant changes. I mean, someone in my life died during that time and Mm. trying to deal with, you know, that while also doing this project that I felt really committed to, you know, it's just interesting. things. Um, So that was one big takeaway. Um, Another one was like really just the impact I had on other people I really didn't expect so many people to kind of uh, tell me how inspired they were. Like I, I knew, I knew it would be an inspiring thing, but I really impacted a lot of people. And I, and I don't think I really still understand how big that is and mm. um, how many other people felt inspired to do their own projects, even if they aren't a hundred day projects. Um, yeah. So many people I know who are even close to people I don't even know, which is always so weird. Um, have reached out to say, oh, I tried this thing because you did your project and it was really inspiring. I was like, wow, like that's really cool. Um, So that was another really big takeaway. Um, And I think just um, really learning how to relinquish control. Um, I I mentioned this earlier as well, like I can kind of be a bit of a perfectionist and uh, there's something really freeing about not you know, sticking to something so strictly. I think that yeah. 
uh, it can be really fun. <laughs> like, and I don't know, I think it's such a, a, a cool way to, you know, just try something new and be a little bit out there and break out of the normal routine. And it's, I think, you know, you spoke to this idea that the pressure of a hundred day project, it's kind of like a pressure cooker. And it reminds me of, um, my friend, uh, Adam Garcia, uh, he, he has a phrase that the pressure is good for you. And it's this idea of like, that's what makes the diamond. Uh, mm -hmm. and I do think that there's this there, I, you know, as a creative person, I feel like we're pretty, uh, we, we really want try to, hoard our creative energy. We're really afraid of burning out. We're afraid of being under the pressure. But I think it, it reminds me of like when I was a teenager and I would sleep all day and then feel more tired because I slept too long. <laughs> and yeah. I think we're, you know, I feel like we're designed to like the, our bodies just have this thing where you, you know, you want to fill up on energy, but in order to feel good, you need to expend it and kind of trust the inhale, exhale pulsing of that thing. And yeah. I feel like when you're doing that, hundred day project and you're under the pressure, you all of a sudden realize that like, oh, I'm infinitely more capable of doing stuff and I get more resourceful and you might not want to stay in that fast pace forever, but mm -hmm. I do think you surprise yourself and what you're capable of and what you come up with. Absolutely. And, you know, uh, I definitely surprised myself. And, you know, something too about a hundred day project is that, you know, that it's a hundred days. So you yeah. have a, a end goal in it. And it, I think that was really helpful for me. I think if it was this project where I didn't know it was going to end, I might've given up at some point, to be honest, because it, it's just, it, it, there were points where it was really hard, you know, I mean, lots of tears <laughs> were shed during this process. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it was definitely one of those things too, where I was like, I have to finish this. Like, there's no way that I can start this. And, and I think posting every day to Instagram, as much as we kind of talk about Instagram being this um, source of pressure in this bad way, it was kind of a good source of pressure for me because I, I knew that people were watching, but I also knew that people were supportive. And even if I, there was a day where I didn't want to post, which there was, I, Mm. I had the mug and I, and I was ready to post it, but there was something in me. I was like, I just don't want to post today. And I, I think it was a, a rebellion kind of thing where I was like, I just don't want to do it. So I'm not going to do it. Um, so yeah, I, I think that I, I agree with you. I think that um, sometimes just really having that pressure can really yield some really cool things. <laughs> But don't pressure yourself all the time because that is no, stressful. It's unsustainable. <laughs> it's yeah, unsustainable. It's uh, did you post that day? No. There's, that you didn't there's, want to? There's a day, I think, if you go through um, yeah. and you look at every day, there's just one day that was skipped, but I posted twice the next day. I think it's what right. happened. Uh, so yeah, maybe I'm a little bit of a cheater, but uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I made a hundred mugs in a hundred days still. That was it. I was like, ha we got you. This is a gotcha journalism. You didn't do a hundred days and I knew it. I found that and that's why I brought you on this show. Undercover. Um, <laughs> uh, but, but, you know, I, I don't know. I think it's interesting. Like, I think the other thing about that kind of disciplined pursuit is that you change in the process. For me, I feel like there's an interesting 
having a, a battle as a, I've, you know, artists are emotional people often, or they're at least sensitive to different things. And mm-hmm. I think that often we are culprits of believing that we are our feelings, thinking everything that we feel and the, the, the discipline of showing up and doing it, whether you feel like doing it or not. I think a lot of people, artists are afraid that's inauthentic, but I think through those processes, I found like, no, sometimes I'm just being a chump. I'm just like, I'm, you know, I'm being lazy or I'm letting, I'm self-sabotaging or whatever it is. I mean, I think that's called uh, self-care in a way where you're just, you don't have to, you can't be on all the time. And, and I think that, uh, and that's gotta be for every profession. I'm sure. I mean, I think about nurses in that Mm. way, which is a really specific example, but one of my good friends is a nurse. And I think about, um, how they have these really long shifts, but they have to be on all the time. And I think we all probably just get, go through that where we're just not into it and I think it's okay I think you have to honor those moments because those are important too those those moments of feeling uninspired are really important don't you just hate designers sometimes they're just too good at stuff it's not enough that they make great work but their outfits look good and their presentations are great and their houses are beautifully designed it's just too much what's it all about man how do they do it I, uh, I think this quote from legendary designer Massimo Vignelli kind of it gets to the thing behind that. And it's, if you can design one thing, you can design everything. If you want to learn to think like a designer and enhance all areas of your creative life, go check out Adobe's podcast, Wireframe. This podcast is chocked full of design insights, and it will help you start to think like a designer too. Go check out Wireframe, and uh, you'll get it wherever you get your podcasts. those creative juices are flowing and you're thinking, I want to do a project like Lolly did. I want to do a hundred day project or something of the sort. Maybe go check out my class on Skillshare before you get started so that you can make this project as powerful and strategic as possible so that you can orchestrate your own creative career breakthroughs like Lolly has. Go check it out. Skillshare.com slash creative pep. And I couldn't be happier with this class or more thrilled about the feedback. Super proud of it. Skillshare.com slash creative pep. One of the things I like about a daily practice or a regular practice is I think we all, you know, I I feel like I know when I make a podcast every week or when I was in college, I made a bunch of stupid music. And uh, and when I was making that music, it, it was just a fact that like every 10th or 12th or some random number, all of a sudden the song would just kind of write itself and it would be better than I knew how to make it. And I would be like, what the heck is that? And I feel like that tricks creative people to not make stuff regularly, to only make when the muse is there. But there's this. Are you talking about drugs right now? <laughs> no. But, you can be but honest. For some people. <laughs> um, uh, but, but I feel like, you know, that we, because sometimes the creative work is that lightning in the bottle, we only want to make then. But the cool thing with the, the daily project is if you show up every day, you're just that much more likely to catch some of that stuff. Mm, did you, did yeah, you have. I like that perspective. Did you have some, I'm sure, like when you go back to the 100 days you have a few that are like 
that what like a lot of accidents, a lot of things that happen were probably like, yeah, whatever, you know, I'm not that one feels ugly to me or whatever. But I'm guessing there's a handful that you're like, these are this is more like lightning. <laughs> That's such a good question because there are some that I think are absolute trash <laughs> bugs. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but some people freaking love them. Yeah. And I'm like, really? And and I don't know if it's because and during the process of making it, it was a struggle. So there's um, one in particular that I'm thinking of that I uh, had such a hard time with. And it's um, mug 59 out of 100. Mm. And it's a ball shape. It's just literally a ball. And uh, it's it's not one that was super popular out of the bunch. But I had... I tr- <sighs> Andy, I had to do <laughs> this mug at least four times. Yeah. Because every time I would put it in the kiln, it just exploded literally <laughs> into pieces. Um, which is another point about this project that I think a lot of people don't really understand. And when I say I can't make a mug every day, it's because there were so many op- or moments where things would break or not really go as planned, you know? Um, but so there were definitely some mugs where I felt like, oh, God, these are not great. But it's like, all right, I got to do it because I have to make a hundred. So whatever. But then there were definitely a few where I felt like incredibly proud and surprised. Um, one of them was 56 out of a hundred. Um, it's kind of like this infinity ring kind of thing. Um, I'm looking at it right now. I had to pull it up cause I obviously don't know them all by heart. Um, <laughs> but it's, um, the way that I constructed it, it's really clever and um it took a lot of reworking to figure out but i think when i finished it and took the final photos i was like wow this is actually really smart and genius mm. because there's a, there's some mugs that i've done i'm like ah oh, i may have seen something similar to this so it didn't feel super unique yeah. but there were definitely a few in there i was like oh this is like really cool and i felt really proud and I think um, number 87 too was one of those where it was kind of like this long exaggerated handle but then it piled on top of itself um it was kind of like a moment where i was like oh this is really clever actually and i'm really proud of this (laughs) Mm, yeah i totally relate it's funny also like uh in one of my daily projects i had this piece that i really hated it was just like i had it was like i had no time to make it i just threw it together and i thought all right i've dedicated i've said i'm gonna post it and i posted and i thought nobody will notice and that was the one that Tumblr featured on their radar. This was like back in 2011 when that ma- ma- meant something, but it was my <laughs> least favorite of all of them. But it's interesting too. Like, I think that there's something interesting about, you know, some of our least favorite outputs for s- do something for somebody. And yeah. Yeah. Has it grown on you? Do you like it more now? Or? No, I still hate it. I hate that character so dumb. <laughs> it's, the, it's the worst of all the characters, but it also put that, that project on the map a little bit and all kinds of great things came from it. So I still, I'm grateful to that character. His name was Squonky and I still thank him even though I hate his guts. Kudos to Squonky. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so you mentioned about, um, you know, writing in your planner every day and, uh, you know, making lists and, and all that. I just wondered if you had, you know, when you go into the the studio, what are the things that get you? I'm guessing when you're on the wheel, sometimes you've, you're into it and sometimes you're not. Sometimes you're in the flow state and sometimes you're not. What are the mm-hmm. tricks to setting up the right atmosphere for you to 
get into the right state? A uh, great question because I've been struggling mentally mm. lately to get back into my studio, uh, which is probably fair. I mean, with everything sure. going on, and I just moved into a new space, so adjusting. Um, but I did go to my studio last week, and it was such a mess. And I was like, "Elise, you need to clean up when you're done with another project, so that you can jump into another yeah. one." Um, so for me. And, and ceramics is messy. So for me, having a clean space is super important. Um, and it doesn't have to be super tidy, but uh, I'll go down and I'll, I'll, I have a diffuser that has essential oils and I'll put that on just to kind of get some good smell vibes going. Yeah. And then I'll put some music on. I have a few um, speakers in my studio and um, just kind of like start touching things. I think and when I start to touch things in the studio um is when i i'm like okay I'm, I'm feeling it and then i just one thing goes turns into another and i'm actually making stuff so yeah yeah it, it does take a lot for me sometimes to really get things going because you know i mean again i'm a one woman band yeah. so um i'm probably answering emails half a day so once i get down to the studio i'm like ah and also work full-time again yeah. It's a lot. That, that uh, I, One of the things you said is really interesting to me. Uh, I'm really obsessed with this idea. I used to call it uh, taste, but now I've been calling it sensibility, like two words, sensibility. And it's this idea that, you know, your creative work is grounded in not what you can do, but the depth at which you can receive. Like, what are you sensitive to? Um, you, you mm. know, and, and, you know, for a cook, it might be they have, they're, they're what scientists call a super taster. They have a ridiculous amount of uh, taste buds compared to your average person. So they have a, a deep sensitivity. And I love the thing you said, and maybe I misunderstood it, but uh, about touching things, Do, is, is touch, is that a big part of your creative sensitivity and sensibility? Um, I, I think that we're both realizing this for the first nice. time. That's my favorite <laughs> stuff. <laughs> I, I feel like I'm in therapy right now. I'm like, wait, actually, you're unpacking something really, really good here. No, I think it must be. I mean, again, I think with ceramics, it's kind of messy, um, which I, I appreciate that component of it. But there's also a level of um, being organized that I need to be. Mm. So I think when I start touching things and I have my, I wear a, uh, coveralls so I once I have those on I think that's when I'm like okay like you're, you're getting closer to actually making things mm. so yeah I think touching things and like actually getting clay on me makes me feel like I'm ready to dive into the work that's so interesting and I I was thinking about it through the lens of like you know what sense and it might be it may not be one of the five senses it could be an internal sense but what sense if you lost it would be uh you know would be detrimental to your ability to to make things and for me it's sound like i for me hearing mm. a story is so essential to like lighting me up creatively and and it's so essential to filling up the well of of the things i want to do and it it seems like yeah, that's really cool. I, I don't. It's not. I, it's not something that I directly relate to. It's not what I. I don't. I'm not especially sensitive to touch, but I, that totally makes sense. Sound um, not so much for me because I like when it's really quiet. So that's interesting for you that that's what that is. Yeah. Uh, okay. So 
La- this is the last question on the the mugs, and then I want to go to some of the other things that you mentioned that you uh, wanted to talk about. But what makes a good mug to you? What's your definition of one? To me, a good mug, um, it's sturdy, um, pretty sound. I feel like I appreciate when people um, approach mugs and dinnerware with an intricacy where the walls are really thin and delicate. Mm. But for me, it's got to, you know, feel a little heavy, um, have a really nice handle. You know, everyone has different size hands. Um, So having a really good handle is imperative. Um, And just like the, the way that, which sounds a little strange, but the way that the mug interacts with your mouth Mm. is really important Mm -hmm. too. Um, I like to work with, um, I like my finished clay to have like this raw exposed feeling. Um, it feels really natural, but a lot of people don't like that on their mouths. Mm. Um, so it's something that I'm trying to uh, work around, whether that means <clears throat> having uh, the lip glazed or, you know, so it feels a little bit more smooth and finished. I think that that's a, a line that I have to teeter but yeah, I think ultimately though a good mug just it feels good in the hand and it, it it weighs a nice amount so that when you set it down it's there and it's firm and it doesn't really move around a yeah. lot. I love all that and I feel like uh you know those kind of questions are always a weird thing to articulate but I feel mm-hmm. you know defining good for yourself defining a target that's so much about you know using that sense sensitivity to like inform your intuition of like, what am I shooting for? Like, what am I trying, what am I trying to create? Um, and so I appreciate your willingness to, to talk through how weird it is sometimes to put those things into words, but (laughs) yeah, I feel you. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. I mean, it's important for me too, because I'm selling a product and as much as my, what I'm doing is an art form to me, it's also, um, something that people, again, use as a functional piece, a functional object. Um, so I really have to consider those things. Like um, sometimes the bottom of the mug, um, I have to sand them down because they get like little um, scratchy things yeah. on the bottom. I don't really actually know how to describe yeah. that. Um, but I, I would hate to sell that to someone because then, you know, it, it marks up their table or, you know, so there's a lot of little components to making um objects that are functional like that I have to really think through or else I don't think it's a good product. Mm. Actually, I think, uh, you know, I compare uh, all creative practices to, um, you know, food prep and chefs and all that because there's something, I'm a big believer that creativity is like uh, a lot about connection to other people. I know there's a lot of mythology around the lone artist on the desert island making their art for themselves <laughs> and and on there you know i get that there's an aspect of it that is a diary and it is for your own pleasure but i think we're you know social animals and we're connecting with each other and i think pra- sometimes the more practical you know uh utility functional based creative things can teach us a lot more about what that means than than the you know that mm-hmm. the the opposite well, whenever there's success, there's always haters. And something yeah. that I've loved doing lately is reading all the hater comments. <laughs> and <laughs> ironically, um, there's been a lot of hateration when it comes to the 100 Day Projects 
um, for their lack of functionality. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> Which is funny because I, in all in all reality, I never really intended to do the hundred day project to sell mm -hmm. them. It was always an art project, and and I actually had a show at the end of the project so that people can see the pieces um, in a gallery space. Um, so I think it's funny because. Um, functional to one person might not always be functional somewhat to someone else. And I really like pushing those boundaries of what it means for something to be functional. <laughs> yeah. I love that. I also think it's a cool, you know, I, uh, this idea of having a point of view, having your own, you know, your sensitivity informs your particular taste. And if you're really tapping into your own, intentions and what you what your values are creatively and what you're trying to create then just by the nature of taking a stand on one direction you're going to have people that are upset or offended or hate your point of view and i that you know it used to be when i would get reviews on things that i'd be like oh god they're right i'm i'm insufferable but you know and i still you know if it if it's helpful critique i'll take it on board but more often than not I'll read it and I'll think, you know, I'll, I'll click through and uh, it used to be on uh, iTunes, you could click and see their reviews for other things. And they would, mm -hmm. and I, they would be reviewing, you know, things that were just ungodly to me. And I'd just be like, thank God that I'm not appealing to this person. You know, like, <laughs> uh, it's just, I think that that comes with the territory of having a point of view. Totally. And, you know, the internet is a cruel world. And I think that you're you're always going to kind of come across that. And I, I'm thankful that I'm at a point in my life, in my career, where I feel really confident. And I know that what I'm doing is good shit, basically. Yeah. So, I, I, and I don't know, I, I accept the hateration and the negativity yeah. because, I mean, it doesn't really affect me at all. And I think that that's a powerful thing, too. Yeah, that that's great. So, uh, I would love to talk to you about we shared a few emails and you were speaking about how you have a new sense of purpose in your creative work. Do you mm -hmm. want to speak about that? Totally. Yeah. I mean, I think um, having this new like following of people and new interests from all these people has been such an eye opener for me, um, especially during a time like with the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, my, my mom is white and my dad is black. So, uh, I'm mixed, but I, I, I consider myself to be a black person. Um, yeah. and I, and I say that because I like to represent the black community. I'm really proud to be black. And, um, I think especially with, um, this really specific niche that I'm working in, um, I, I didn't know about ceramics. I mean, I, I've always known about ceramics, but I didn't really realize how lucrative it could be. At a young age, you know, um, I think for most kids, when you're young, your parents tell you to, to find jobs that um, are a little bit more um, sustainable and, you know, you can actually make money from them. Yeah. So I think I spent my whole life trying to figure out what that meant for me as a creative. And um, I feel like I have this new level um, of understanding and I'm so excited to share that with other young people and I, I love what you said earlier about Bill Strickland. Um, I kind of looked him up really quick on my yeah. phone when you were talking about him. And I'm inspired by his concept because 
now more than ever, I realize that that's something that I can do. I, I would love to um, open up workshops or classes for um, young people, especially in uh, black, predominantly black communities. I think that, you know, exposing young kids to things at an earlier age is so important because it opens their eyes. I mean, I, again, I didn't know even what that ceramics was a thing until I got older. And uh, I just would love to be a leader in that way where I'm giving back to my community. I, I love that. And I think, you know, um, one of the things that I love about what Bill talks about is like, you know, getting young people to make creative work. It's not just all so that all of them can be famous artists or whatever. It's also just unleashing their personal ability to create and manifest reality and, and, and totally. their agency, you know, like the, having an outlet. Like I think that especially right now with the pandemic, you know, I don't, I don't have children, so I don't really know the severity of it, but I can only imagine that, you know, families are struggling to kind of really figure out how to occupy their child's time. And, yeah. uh, yeah. And I'm so happy you shared that Bill Strickland contact with me. I mean, not his phone number, but yeah. <laughs> uh, cause yeah. I'm going to look into more of his approach. I think that uh, that's definitely the direction I want to go into. Well, if you open anything like that locally, please let me know. And I would love to just put it on blast and help out in any possible way. Cause that's a lot of stuff that's really close to my heart as well. Yeah, definitely. And I, I obviously I would love to do workshops for adults as well. So that'd be cool. Yeah. Did, uh, that's amazing. And, uh, and I'm really inspired by it. And, uh, I wondered, do you, uh, could you, we're, we're kind of pushing up on time now. Do you, mm -hmm. I have two other questions. One is, do you have any plans to do a line that is for, uh, like a, like a retail store or do you, have you done anything like that? Um, I have recently been, I've been backtracking, uh, which was interesting. I, I started this business kind of organically and now I'm backtracking, working on a business plan. Yeah. Um, and it has forced me to consider these, this exact thing. Um, and I, and we talked about Fox in the snow earlier and I mentioned their concept and, um, something that I think would be really cool. No one steal my idea out there. Actually, it's okay. I don't really care. <laughs> um, I think it'd be really phenomenal to um, open up a retail shop um, and maybe a few across the nation um, and then have a concept where you can see production happening in the back. Mm. Um, it's kind of what Fox in the Snow does now that you can see their bakery. Yeah. Um, and it, yeah, it kind of makes you feel connected to, you know, what you're about to consume, basically your coffee and your, uh, your, your baked goods. And I think, um, there's so much about the process of ceramics that, uh, is people don't just don't know about it and it's totally understandable, but there are so many parts and pieces to it from, um, the wheel to glazing to the kiln. And I, I would just love to be a source of transparency for people to really, um, be able to see and maybe do something like tours you know there's brewery tours i think it'd be cool to do like a ceramics tour <laughs> yeah i love that uh one last question sure out of all of the uh creative 
principles or or tips or things someone passed on to you? What is the one creative idea that has been the most impactful to your practice? Uh, I don't know that it's an idea per se, but um, I think it's more like a, a, a way of approaching things. Yeah. Um, and I and I tend to go really hard and don't give myself a lot of breaks. And um, someone once told me that uh, I should always just be mindful of my me time. And I mentioned mm-hmm. self-care earlier. Um, but I am very intentional about taking time to myself because rest is a form of uh, resistance and rest is a form of um, making sure that I can come back and be even better. So uh, I, I always encourage any creative or just anyone in general. I think we live in such a society where things are moving so fast. You just got to take some time to yourself because then you'll kind of come back stronger. Yeah, I love that. I, I've been trying to embody that more. I've been kind of contemplating this idea of, uh, you know, doing the most. If you're doing the most you can do, you can't possibly be doing the best that you can do. No way. I mean, yeah, it, it's just not possible. And even though I still go pretty hard. Um, especially in a time right now where so much is happening and changing for me, I still, still take time. Even if it's like a bath or just going on a walk, like I have to, or else I'll go crazy and I'll just, I'll just stop the business altogether and then everyone will be upset. Yeah. <laughs> well, don't do that. Uh, I, I love, I love following you on Instagram. It's one of my favorite things to come up through the feed. It's gorgeous ceramics. Everybody should go check it out. Lolly Lolly Ceramics, right? Is that correct? That's it. All right. Well, thanks for doing this. This was great. I hope that we get to talk again soon. I'm, I'm glad we're in the same community. Yeah. Thanks, Andy, for reaching out. We should definitely keep in touch. Hey, thanks for coming with the fire fresh tips on creative side projects. We love, love, love that stuff. And it was great to uh, hear all of your insights into your 100 day project, Lalise. You are amazing. You're an amazing creative. If you're not following Lolly Lolly Ceramics on Instagram, you're living your life wrong because these are beautiful pieces that are unusual and unexpected. And I'm always thrilled when they show up in my feed. So go check it out. Can't wait to see what she does next. Hey, thanks for listening. Thanks to Yoni Wolf for our theme music from his band Why. Thanks to Alex Sugg for our soundtrack. Thanks to Jordan Aaron for editing this show so beautifully. Thanks to Ryan Appleton for uh, helping me schedule things and and get all of this stuff done in a fashion to where I can give it to you. And uh, until we speak again, stay pepped up.